You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.
us away from the worthless things. We turn our eyes away, Lord God, and we reposition our hearts before your throne, Abba. We reposition our hearts before your glory, Jesus. And we would fix our eyes on you, my King. And we would say, you are greater. You are higher. You are more worthy than any other thing. You alone are worthy of our praise. You alone are worthy of our attention. We love you, Lord. We turn aside to gaze at the bush that is burning but not consumed. For you are burning with a heart of love for your people. You are burning with a heart of desire for your beloved. You are burning with a heart of intimacy, a heart of intimacy, a heart to be with you, to walk with you, to talk with you and you with him. He is burning with passion for his people. Lord, we set our eyes on you and you alone. And we yield ourselves to you. Show us your glory. Show us your deep desires. Show us your power, your ability. I thank you, O oh Lord, that your spirit is hovering in your house, that you are overshadowing all things, for we come under the shadow of the Almighty One. We come into the secret sheltered place of your presence, and we thank you for your protection. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your mighty presence, Jesus. We love you so much. We yield ourselves to you. We ask God, but God, oh, would you pour out your spirit again? Would you perform signs and wonders and miracles in this house? Would you do what man cannot do? Would you heal what man cannot heal? Would you deliver what man cannot deliver? Would you show your glory of your son? Bring about the victory we ask in the name of your son Jesus unveil our eyes renew our minds God renew our minds we're tired of stinking thinking we want to think on those things above we want our minds captured with your word again Lord would you show us your glory would you touch us Holy Spirit would you refresh our faith would you increase my faith inside oh God Oh, that you are the source. You are even the source of this. Lord, we thank you today. We give you the honor. We give you the worship. Lord, let our hearts flow with rivers of living water. You said bitter and sweet cannot come out of the same place. Lord God, we're here to choose the living water. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with living water. Living water, living water. Ask for the living water. Ask for the living water to come bubbling up inside of you, to be that gusher, to be old faithful. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my goodness. Whoa. He will be the faithful one to you if you ask for the living water. If you will yield your lips and your voice to be the voice of an encourager, to be the voice of the kingdom perspective, he will promise you, you will become an, a gusher of living water to those around you. Lord, we hear your call, the call to intimacy, the call to your presence, to lay aside all those things. In Jesus' name, 
we say yes. In Jesus' name, I say yes, Lord. I say yes. How about you? Yes. I say yes. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. on uh, living free. And uh, many of you are familiar with living free. Uh, we've been uh, supporting and uh, involved in that ministry um, from its inception. And so I want to just invite Janie uh, to come forward and just to share a little bit about the focus for living free uh, for this month. A mic. Oh, there's one right there. Well, um, most of you are familiar with it. So one of the aspects of our ministry to women is our residential house. And uh, <clears throat> we have a house not too far from here. Um, and uh, we, uh, we currently have one lady living there, and we have another one coming tomorrow from the state prison um, who's going to be arriving. So we're excited about that. Um, we haven't had very many women in the house lately and um, I believe that one reason for that is that God is keeping the house as a haven for our one lady um, and that one lady her name is Megan and uh, she has had she's been with us through two bouts of cancer and uh, she has been given a terminal diagnosis from the doctor and uh, so we have been having her there and just supporting her through that. And um, so we just really would welcome your prayers with us. We, of course, are praying for a miracle for her. Um, but as we also continue just to support her to do the things that she feels like she needs to do, and she is all for the miracle. And so we gather together every Sunday night to pray for her um, over at the Beacon. And uh, so we are um, very... Very excited to see, though, the peace that she's walking in and the assurance of her faith and her relationship with the Lord and um, how God is using this time in her life in great ways and in our lives as well. So, um, so we haven't been upset or disappointed that we haven't had more women because we feel like for such a time as this uh, that God is using um, that house for her and, uh, you know, we are very happy about that. So, um, but we do have a new lady coming tomorrow and we're very happy about that. And I do think that our numbers will pick up after, um, the summer as we move forward. Um, but one of our goals, uh, for this coming year is to pay off the house. Uh, we have a mortgage, uh, for the house and, um, financially we've been blessed over this year, uh, with all the craziness going on. Um, I don't really understand how the numbers add up the way they do, but God's been supplying our needs. And uh, so our goal financially is to pay off the house and free up the money that we put towards um, having to pay that mortgage every month. So, um, but I'll be sharing a little bit more in the coming weeks about other aspects of the ministry, but that was what I was going to highlight today. Thank you very much.
into the face of my enemy, <clears throat> I see my brother. I think a lot of times if the truth were be told, when most of us look in the face of our enemy, we see a bother. And that's the problem. We're going to talk about that today. Before we do, I want to just, um, we started last week, I kind of gave um, a prayer out to the church, um, invited you to take one of those and to be praying that uh, prayer every day, out loud. Um, and the beauty of that is um, 
And you'll kind of see as we go through this prayer, what we're really praying for is we're really asking God to begin to raise up the prophets, uh, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers uh, in the local church, the body of Christ. Not just ours, but the universal body of Christ. And the beautiful thing about that is, is that many of you are praying for others in the congregation, and you may not know who that is. I'm not sure who all that is. But as we're praying this prayer and we're asking God to specifically raise up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors, as God begins to raise those up in our local congregation, we're going to go, that's who I was praying for. It was that person I was praying for. What we're praying for right now is we're praying for those offices to be raised up um, in our church. And and again, the the thing is, is, is some of you, you're praying for yourselves and you may not realize that. Um, But as God begins to stir these in our hearts, as God begins to raise these up in our midst, again, we're going to look at that and we're going to go, that's the one I was praying for. I didn't know that. I know that now. So what I'm going to do is ask you this morning is we're just going to go ahead and stand together this morning and we are going to pray together in unison as a one body. We are going to pray this prayer. We're going to be doing this every uh, week. Uh, It may not be this one, but it's going to be something that I really believe that God is laying on the hearts of us uh, as his body uh, to begin to just cry out to him and ask him to do what it is uh, he desires to do. This, is, this is, has been his plan for thousands and thousands of years. As a matter of fact, this was his plan before the foundations of the earth was ever laid. This is God's plan uh, for us. And so we're just going to pray this um, together. If you were not here last Sunday, I'm going to have these prayers up here. Again, invite you again to take one. Pray this every day out loud. Again, the out loud part is because God loves the sound of your voice. Your voice is beautiful in the ears of God. He loves to hear us talk to him. It creates relationship. It creates intimacy. It creates connection with him. The other thing that I find for me is it keeps my mind from wandering. When I'm, when I'm, I'm speaking this out, I'm hearing myself what I'm praying, and I'm not, my mind's not as scrambled or uh, as distracted. So that's the out loud um, part. So let's just pray this together. Father God, we thank you. Out go, Father God. We thank you for these gifts Christ gave to the local church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Empower them and make them responsible to equip God's people to do your work and to build up the local church, the body of Christ. May this continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Now stop right there. The greatest injustice in the earth today The greatest injustice in the earth today is not abortion. It is not gay marriage. It is not racism. The greatest injustice in the world today is the lack of the knowledge of the Son of God. Every injustice flows from that. This is the calling of the church We cannot give what we do not have. We cannot impart what we do not know. 
And the greatest injustice in the world today is people do not know who Jesus is. And if that doesn't come from us, where is that going to come from? And it's why we're praying this. This is a repentance. It's also our cry of justice to God. Come and reveal, make known to us who your son is. This is why we're praying this. May this continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, that we will become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We ask, Father God, that you would raise up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers in this church. Stir up these gifts among us, as these gifts powerfully and effectively work among us, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Christ Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We ask you this for the universal church throughout the earth and for our church, Praise Community Church. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm going to kind of uh, put the brakes on, on where I was kind of hoping uh, to go. I think really just in recognition of these last few weeks, the things that have been, you know, happening in our country with the killing of George Floyd, and I just, I don't think that there's anybody here that, that is aware of this, that maybe has seen the video, that, that have not come away from this horrified at, at what we saw. There's, I've, I've not seen, I've not met, I've not heard anyone um, that doesn't call this what it is. This was just cruelty. Uh, this is just evil at its worst, in, in my opinion, to do what, to, to do what they did to that man. Uh, it, it's just beyond comprehension. Uh, the, the, the protests, the rioting, the looting. And, and I've struggled, like many of you, to know, how do we respond to this? I, I feel like, you know, to not say anything as a pastor to the congregation, I just feel like I'm being kind of tone deaf uh, here. And, and while at the same time, I kind of tremble because I, I see people that are trying to offer something uh, in the dialogue and, and then they're just attacked and, and shut down and screamed down. And, and so again, I just tremble at saying anything for fear that I may say, uh, you know, the wrong thing or something that just kind of adds fuel to the fire, and God knows there's enough fuel out there already. So I come this morning feeling like I need to say something, but at the same time kind of struggling, you know, in knowing exactly what needs to be said. 
Like many of you, I am, I'm confused, I'm saddened, I'm horrified, I'm concerned, I'm angry, I'm overwhelmed by all that is happening. There, there just seems to be so much that is out of control. Fear is running rampant. And like many of you, I'm struggling to make sense of all of this, trying to hear God's voice, you know, in the midst of all of that. And not only to hear his voice in the midst of all of the societal noise, but to understand how is he calling me, us as a church, to respond. To hear and to understand what we need to learn from all of this. And then how do we move forward in ways that will lead to a healthier, a godlier, uh, and more loving ways toward one another. So I am just asking you this morning, for loads of grace. As I launch into this, I just ask for your forgiveness. If I say something that just comes across as ignorant um, or insensitive, um, I know I have a lot to learn. I know a lot of us. I think everybody has a lot to learn about racial disparities, racial conflict, racial tensions. And my hope is just to maybe kind of begin to create an environment within our congregation amongst one another where we can ask the difficult questions. We can have the awkward conversations where we can look at these issues to hear the truth before we ever speak the truth. To hear the truth and then speak the truth in love. To be able to hear the stories maybe of those that have been on the receiving end of racial injustices. And again, to ask those difficult questions and to work together as the body of Christ, one spirit, one God, one faith, one baptism, to work together as the body of Christ and just kind of begin to lead and to live and to witness and to be an example to those around us. And so the overarching question for me has been, what does true justice look like in the kingdom of God? What does it look like? How would you expect the justice to manifest in the kingdom of God? As I was thinking about this, this, this thought, and I believe it, it came from God, and, and it simply said, if the cry for justice isn't kingdom justice, being God's kingdom, then it's the wrong kind of justice. If the cry for justice is not for kingdom justice, then it's the wrong kind of justice. And what I mean by that is any form of justice that is disconnected from God and his word will ultimately fail to accomplish or achieve his kingdom from manifesting upon the earth. Now, Isaiah kind of gave us uh, uh, an idea uh, of one who would come and, and he would rule and he would establish justice. 
And so in a very prophetic voice, Isaiah said this in Isaiah 42, beginning in verse 1. He said, look at my servant. And again, he's referring to the Messiah. He didn't know who it would be, but he knew that one day the Messiah, God was going to send a redeemer. And he said, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. And again, he's he's referring to Christ here. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not shout. He will not need to raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed. He will not extinguish a smoldering wick. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. I think that's where we are at today. We're waiting for his instruction. We're waiting for his word. We're waiting for his leading. So what is Jesus' instruction in bringing kingdom justice upon the earth? What does that justice look like? Especially as we walk this out in the area of injustice, of racial tension, of racial conflict. Again, as believers, as a church, as the body of Christ, if we're going to be God's instrument of justice and righteousness upon the earth, which we are given the authority to do, then it makes sense to me, we better understand, we better know what kingdom justice, what God's justice looks like. So I've really pulled back and started looking at this, and I've started dialoguing with God. What does this look like? What does this look like? How do we walk this out? How do we live this out as individual believers, as a body? What does it look like? Are there places in Scripture, in life, where we see kingdom justice from a biblical perspective? Again, to try and have a conversation about true justice, lasting justice, equal justice, fair justice, and not know anything about God's justice, kingdom justice, we're just going to continue to throw out ideas and solutions that are ineffective, flawed, or flat-out evil. And we'll never, ever truly accomplish Justice in the ways God intended in this age. I will tell you, kingdom justice. God's justice is for all people. It is equally applied. It is equally sought for. And it equally benefits everyone. Exactly the way Jesus applied it as he walked and ministered upon the earth over 2,000 years ago. 
God's justice is not one thing for one group of people and something completely different for another. So this is the beginning of a journey for me. And I hope it will be for you. That maybe we are at a place in society where we are ready to stop and to ask the tough questions and to hear the honest gospel truth. To ask God to open our hearts to him, to open our hearts towards one another in new, deeper ways. To ask the hard questions, to really seek, to run after, to go after the heart of God, the wisdom of God, to hear his heart. And not just on racial issues, but in every area of life where injustice exists. So let me just kind of give you And I'm sorry because I'm out of slides because I was working on this even this morning in my office, tweaking, refining, rethinking, rewording, uh, trying to get a handle on this. Justice simply defined as as how I believe uh, I see it from God's perspective as I kind of interpret it as I look at his word. Justice simply defined is removing the wrongs that hinder right or righteousness, because God is a God of righteousness, and everything that God does is righteous. So justice is simply removing the obstacles that would hinder God's righteousness from freely flowing. Removing the obstacles that lead to divine peace or shalom. Now, if, if, you were, if you've been following the podcast, um, I did a whole message on the shalom of God. I'm not going to go back and unpack that here. I believe that that's still available on the website. You can go back and I talk about what the shalom of God looks like because justice uh, is God removing us, removing those obstacles that would, that would block divine shalom um, from coming. So, so God's justice, kingdom justice, is about wholeness and divine order in everything and everyone. At its core, kingdom justice, God's justice, is about everything and everyone being made whole or complete. So in one sense, I see our role as kind of being those who kind of step back and we kind of begin to look at all of creation, the environment. We we look at our homes, our workplaces, the government, relationships, etc. We begin to rightly discern through the Holy Spirit, we begin to rightly discern in every sphere I just mentioned, where are those obstacles? And then determining what do we need to do to remove or to bring down those obstacles so that God's peace, his wholeness, his righteousness can be established. 
So that's kind of how I see kingdom justice. It's bringing restored order and peace to everything and everyone God created. The core issue, the starting point, and this is where I'm gonna, we're gonna hammer this this morning. The core issue, the starting point of kingdom justice is to have right standing with the Godhead through the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from without God, there is no justice. There can be no justice. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice, for they shall be satisfied. We'll never be satisfied until we are hungering and thirsting for the righteousness, the justice that comes from God. We'll never be completely satisfied until God's righteousness and justice is established upon the earth. And we have a role in that. Anything other than that, all that's gonna result in is self-righteousness, self-promotion, self-indulgence, and that is running rampant in the culture today. So let me just throw out a threefold progression for kingdom justice, for God's justice. And I'm just gonna list them and I'm gonna go back and kinda talk about them in more detail. But if you're here this morning and you're truly seeking God's justice, you're here and you really want to be a part of kingdom justice, here is how I believe God is gonna lead us, lead his body in that. First, foremost, the most important thing you will hear me say this morning is this. Justice, kingdom, justice starts with God confronting the depravity, the wickedness, the evil of the human heart, whether we are the oppressor or the oppressed. Kingdom justice begins, it starts with God confronting the depravity, the wickedness, the evil of the human heart, whether you are the oppressed or the oppressor. First, second, justice confronts the sin between people on both an individual and a societal level, including the unjust ways we ourselves treat others. Second. Third, the injustice committed against us, both the oppression that we receive as individuals and that which we receive as part of a corporate social group. That's three. So much of what we have witnessed over these last couple of weeks would fall into this third progression. The protests have been in response to the injustice of black Americans, not just at the hands of police, but in what many see 
as a racially imbalanced societal system. Now, whether you agree with that assessment or that characterization or not, I believe this is partly what these protests are really all about. Now, hear me carefully. The vast majority of people who are seeking justice, any justice, are seeking justice in the second and third progression. And they have completely ignored or they have bypassed the first step in that progression. In kingdom justice, in God's justice, the way God implements justice and leads his body in justice is by first starting with the sin, the evil, the wickedness, the depravity in our hearts first before he will ever use us to deal with the sin, the evil, the wickedness, the depravity in the hearts of others. We bypass this. And this is why in most cases, kingdom justice is never accomplished. Beloved, you can't unbind someone from something that binds you. You can't. You cannot lead people to freedom if you yourself are not free. Let me give you an Old Testament example of what I'm talking about here. Remember the story of Moses, taken as a baby, and he's raised in the house of Pharaoh the first 40 years of his life. Exodus 2, beginning in verse 11, it says, in the course of time, Moses grew up. He went to see his own people and watched them suffering under forced labor. And Moses saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten by an Egyptian he looked all around, and when he didn't see anyone looking, he beat the Egyptian to death and hid his body in the sand. When Moses went there the next day, he saw two Hebrew men, two Israelites, fighting. He asked the one who started the fight, why are you beating another Hebrew? The man replied, who made you our ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought that everyone knew what he had done. When Moses heard what Pharaoh had done, he tried to have him killed. But Moses fled in Pharaoh, from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And I tell you that story because Moses is seeking to right an injustice. Moses is trying to address an injustice that he sees. What does he do? He gets angry, and he beats, and he kills the Egyptian. I want you to notice the reaction to Moses' attempt here at justice. He goes out the next day, the scripture says, and he sees another case of injustice, two Israelites fighting each other, and he attempts to bring justice, and what happens? They turn on him. Who made you our judge and ruler? Are you gonna do to us what we saw you do to that other man, that Egyptian? 
Pharaoh hears what Moses did and turns on him. Moses seeks to do justice out of anger. And both the oppressed, the Israelites, and the oppressor, the Egyptians, they turn on him. Moses failed to first deal with the evil, the sin, the wickedness, the depravity of his own heart first before attempting to bring justice, kingdom justice, and all he does is add sin to sin. James 1.20 says, the anger of man will never ever achieve the righteousness of God. Moses responds out of anger and righteousness is not accomplished. This is the problem, as I see it, with most attempts at justice upon the earth today. We seek to bring reconciliation without first being reconciled to God. We seek to bring transformation to other people, to circumstances, to situations, without ourselves first being transformed by God. The problem I see with a lot of social justice in the world today is that it's being led by unredeemed, unsaved people. And the problem that I have with the church is we're listening to them and we're following them. Here's a major difference between social justice, and, and you'll never ever hear the Bible talk about social justice. Justice is always kingdom justed. God is a king, he has a kingdom. All he's interested in is kingdom justice. So you'll never hear me talk about social justice. It's always kingdom justice, God's justice. Major difference between social justice, kingdom justice. Social justice seeks to, seeks to bring peace, truth, justice, whatever, through our own strength, our own power, our own wisdom, our own abilities. Kingdom justice replies, relies upon God's strength, God's power, God's ability, God's wisdom, God's spirit, God's timing. Moses sought to bring justice through his own strength, his own power, his own ability. But when he came back to Egypt 40 years later, he comes not in his own strength and power. He comes in the strength and the power of God Almighty. Before God could ever use Moses to be the deliverer of Egypt, he had to first be delivered of the sins, the wickedness, the evil, the depravity in his own heart. And that's partly what the burning bush was all about. And Jim prayed about that this morning, not knowing I was going there at all. God revealing and imputing his holiness into Moses. And it was God's holiness at work in Moses' life that he was then able to go out and to bring kingdom justice to God's people. Saul, good old Saul, before he became 
the apostle Paul, he was a nationalist. Paul boasts, uh, it's there in, in Philippians 3, 5. Paul says, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. There's no greater Hebrew than me. Paul was a nationalist. And not only was he a nationalist, he was a zealot. He said, concerning the church, I'm zealous for the church. And not only was he a nationalist, he was religious. That same thing in Philippians says that, uh, says he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Meaning he saw himself as the cream of the crop of Pharisees. So not only was Saul a nationalist, religious, zealot, Saul was also a very, very violent, angry man. It wasn't until God got a hold of him, saved him, changed his heart, transformed him, that he was able to then go out and to begin to bring kingdom justice. Friends, there are a lot of very angry, religious people out there today trying to bring kingdom justice, but all it is resulting in is sin responding to sin. Look at John 8. Some really, really religious people brought a woman to Jesus that had been caught in the very act of adultery. They wanted kingdom justice. They wanted God's justice. They even quoted it to Jesus. Here's God's judgment. Here is God's justice in how to deal with this woman. What did Jesus tell him? He who is without sin casts the first stone. In other words, Jesus says to them, you haven't dealt with the sin in your own heart. How will you ever see clear to deal with the sin in hers? If you ever want to be used, if you ever want to be a part of the solution, if you ever want to be a part of the constructive dialogue that God's wanting to have upon the earth regarding kingdom justice, you must, you must, you must, you must begin. The starting point has to be you must be willing to confront, to own, to repent of your wickedness, your evil, your depravity before you will ever be used to deal with somebody else's. Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every white person, every black person, every Hispanic, every Asian, all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The problem comes when one begins to think they haven't and the other has. I don't want to add fuel, but I, I just feel like, I just want to clarify. All lives matter to God. All lives. Kingdom justice will be about all lives. 
Every morning, I pray the Beatitudes because I believe in them begins the journey towards social justice. What is the first Beatitude? How blessed am I? What happiness comes to me when I feel my spiritual poverty, when I realize my deep, desperate need for you, Lord, I shall have the kingdom of God. It's first for a reason. Three verses later, Jesus says, how blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for then you shall be satisfied. How blessed am I when I'm pure in heart, for then my eyes will be open to see more and more of God. You begin to see how the Beatitudes really can begin to point us in a very meaningful, deep way toward kingdom, justice, but it begins with me recognizing the evil, the wickedness, the depravity of my own human heart. The greatest prayer on repentance, you hear me say this all the time. This is maybe for the one of you that hasn't. The greatest prayer on repentance, Psalm 51, listen to David, what he writes there in verse 10. Created me a clean heart, O God. It starts there, it begins there. Created me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your Holy Spirit. Do not take your presence from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And give me a spirit of willing obedience, then, the scripture says, then. Once we've got all that taken care of that I just mentioned, once I've got a new heart, once I have a steadfastness in me, when the Holy Spirit is alive and living in and through me, then, David says, I will teach the rebellious your ways. Then, when I get a clean heart, I will turn sinners to you. I'm out of time, okay. Um, what does this look like? Okay, let me just give you kind of a starting point. What I want you to do this week is I want you just to be aware. As you watch the news, as maybe you're on uh, internet, maybe you're looking at Facebook, this happens to me multiple, multiple times throughout the week. I will see something and it triggers me. I'll have a reaction. I'll either not like something, something will frustrate me, something will make me angry. How many of you can say that that's happened to you at least once? Okay. When that happens, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop and ask God to show you what's going on inside of me. Why am I having this reaction? Why does this trigger me the way it does? Because here's what God's doing. He's trying to bring something to your attention that he wants to deal with. Because anger will never, ever achieve the righteousness of God, never. So if you're angry and you're gonna react out of that anger, how many of you have had to replace a keyboard because you've been typing out your responses with a hammer? Yeah, right. Before you type out that response, I want you just to stop. 
just whatever you got to do, just close your eyes and just say, okay, God, what is happening on the inside of me that's triggering this? Is, is there a place of wickedness? Is there a place of evil? Is there a place of depravity? Is there a place of selfishness? Is there a place of greed? What is it? What is it that's causing me to not be in a place of peace about this? Even if they're wrong, even if it's crazy what they're suggesting, what is it in me that's causing this reaction? And allow God to deal with your heart on that issue. Ask God to bring healing. Ask God to bring shalom into that. Then respond. And my guess is, is that your response will be much, much different, much, much more Christ-like than your response without doing that. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay. One of the things I'm committed um, to doing is I feel like I need to probably, periodically, occasionally, and not just when issues like this rise up, I do feel like I do need to be more mindful and attentive towards speaking on social justice, on, so, on kingdom justice, not social justice. I don't do social justice. I don't do that. Um, kingdom justice, we, we need to be doing that. Because really, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, really, in, in, it's all about kingdom justice. Um, and so, uh, again, part of my commitment is really to, I want to grow in this. I want to be able uh, to speak on this uh, more often um, than not. And, and again, not just when issues like this rise up that, that kind of force you out onto the stage to say something, but to be able to say and to do things. I also want to begin looking at ways that, that we can be actively involved, and I want to begin in our community, I want to begin in our church, um, and, and then filter out into the community uh, of what it really looks like to be a, a body of Christ that is all about kingdom justice. Because again, there's a lot of people out there that are pushing a social justice, and again, the vast majority of those people, they're unredeemed, and, and God is not going to use them. This week, I, I actually took some time and went back and, and, and read Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, speech. Um, and that, that's kingdom justice. I mean, that, that man was used of God. Um, so again, if, if you're really curious as to what kingdom justice looks like, go back and, and, and read his speech. I, this, he was a man that I believe was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe he was led of God. Was he a perfect man? No, none of us are. But I believe he understood, he knew the heart of God, and that's why he was committed to nonviolence. Because he knew the righteousness of God uh, the, the anger of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. So uh, those are the, just some things I just encourage you to kind of do um, this week. And again, just asking God to begin to just give you, uh, again, a, a kingdom heart, a kingdom focus, a kingdom perspective. And out of that will come kingdom justice. Amen? Let's stand together. Father God, I believe this really is just the start of so much that you have to say, so much that you have to show us. 
And this morning, God, we just again, we acknowledge before you that it really begins with our willingness just to ask you, God, to show us our hearts, to reveal our motives, to know our innermost thoughts. And so this morning, Father, we just invite you. We ask you to come and just to reveal our hearts to us especially in those times, Father, where we see ourselves reacting out of frustration or anger towards things people say and do, that, God, you would use that as a springboard just to begin to show us that how that's affecting us and, and what that's doing in us is not gonna bring about kingdom justice and as your body, Father, that's what we want to be about. We want to be instruments of your righteousness. We want to be the hands and the feet of kingdom justice. We want to be the mouthpiece of shalom. We want to be able to be who Jesus is. One who is committed to establishing justice upon this whole earth. And Father, you've invited us to be a part of that. So Lord, we come ignorant in many ways, unprepared in many ways, like Moses. We may not speak well, we may not know what to do, but part of kingdom justice is about relying on you and not us. That it's your strength, your power, your ability working in and through us that will accomplish your purposes. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so Father, we come and we ask God that you would speak that we would hear the truth before we speak it. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And from that truth, we will begin to walk and to disperse kingdom justice. And so, Father, we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. So, Father, again, we just ask, Lord, that you would just give us a heart, a willingness to follow after you and only you. We thank you, Father, that your word says that Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice, a stranger. They will not follow. We need to hear the voice of the great shepherd. And we need to follow him, put in us a steadfastness to obedience, Father. And again, we thank you for who you are, for all of your promises, and that every promise you give us is yes and amen, yes and so be it, to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.